Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Episode 22. Heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Dublin Story Slam podcast. My name is Julian Clancy, and I produce the podcast. And on this very special episode, we're bringing you three stories recorded at our most recent Story Slam there on Tuesday. Um, but at their heart was the theme heart. This month, we were working with the Irish Heart Foundation to help them spread the message behind their most recent campaign, which is called Go Red for Women. Now, the campaign kicks off officially on Valentine's Day. And at its heart, I suppose, is the idea of raising awareness of an incredibly frightening statistic, which is a very simple one, but it's one in four women in Ireland will die from a cardiovascular disease. So think of your sisters, think of your daughters, think of your wife, think of your mother. And then that suddenly brings that statistic to a terrifying reality. So what we wanted to do was to team up with the Irish Heart Foundation and use story to help them spread their message. And the message is obviously to go out there look after your ear health, be aware of some of the symptoms um, around cardiovascular um, disease, uh, but also to raise money for the Irish Heart Foundation, who are a national charity that work here in Ireland to fight heart disease and stroke um, through research, through prevention and ultimately through care. So if you go over to goread.ie, you'll find out more about the campaign um, as well as, how, more importantly, how you can donate to the Irish Heart Foundation and help raise funds for the, the vital work that they do across communities in Ireland. Our very first story comes from Shirley Ingram. And Shirley was fantastic because not only did she come straight from work, come in, deliver her story and then pretty much go home because she had a super early shift in the morning the following day. Um, But she told this story, which it's one of those amazing experiences that brings you inside the story. It it puts you right into where the action is happening. And it's both terrifying and fascinating as well, but also driven by a really strong message. Uh, There is a reference to the movie Airplane and the fact that Shirley's name is Shirley. But trust me, that is not the most important part of the story. Okay, so this is Shirley Ingram kickstarting off her very first story from the Dublin Story Slam podcast. (laughs) 
So I've been a cardiac nurse for 30 years now. And at the moment, I work as an advanced nurse practitioner. So I work in the A&E. If you come into A&E and you think you're having a heart attack, I'll be the person that sees you. So it's my day-to-day -day job. Every day, I'm assessing people. And I think I'm ruling in or ruling out heart, heart attack. So that's why I knew in April 2018 that I was having a heart attack. So it started off like any other day. I got up early. I always go to the gym in the morning before I go to work so I can have that smug feeling, you know. I've done my exercise already. <laughs> um, I was running on the treadmill, very slowly, mind you, because the knees aren't great. And I was just getting over an ankle injury, and I was happy enough jogging along, thinking, this is fine. The ankle is holding out. And then I began to be aware of a sensation just in the tip of my right shoulder. And I thought, oh, feck it. Another injury now and another joint. Just to put it into context, at the time I was 50 years of age. I never smoked. I was menopausal, um, so not sleeping great. I have a normal cholesterol level. My parents are alive in their 80s. I'm not a diabetic. My blood pressure is fine could lose a few pounds, but I wasn't overweight. So that's where I was coming from that day on the treadmill, presuming that this sensation was, my, was another muscular pain. And then I kept going. I began to be aware of the sensation in my other shoulder tip. And my antenna went up because professionally I realized bilateral shoulder tip raised a red flag for me as a symptom of a heart attack. But I kept going. Denial, denial is a great thing. The ankle was okay. I kept running. But then I began to feel a sensation just in the side of my neck, a burning discomfort. And that's when I knew. If a woman says to me, Shirley, I get symptoms in my neck, my throat, my jaw, my flags are really raised. So I knew myself, this was very strange. I was feeling fine otherwise, but I had this feeling that something something was wrong. So I stopped running, you'll be glad to hear. Um, the gym's packed, of course, you know, with all the bodybuilders and everything. I went over to the mats and I started foam rolling and stretching as you do to try and see if that would help the symptoms. <laughs> but none of that worked. And then, in all seriousness, I sat there and I thought, Shirley, this is what women feel like when they're having a heart attack. So in my job, I'm always trying to diagnose people when they come in with their symptoms. And I couldn't come up with any other diagnosis. And with that, both my arms from the elbows down just went completely constricted with pain. So I went in and had a shower. <laughs> because I knew I knew, you know, somewhere deep inside of me that I would be staying in hospital for a few days. I won't go into the details as to how I got to the hospital, but needless to say, if anyone else is in that situation, you should call an ambulance. <laughs> so I had arranged to meet my colleague, Fiona. Um, I rang her and I said, Fiona, I don't feel great. And she said, Shirley, you just go home to bed. I'll be fine. And I said, no, I can't ignore this. I knew, I, f I felt this kind of feeling of, of doom, kind of. I couldn't have ignored it. I couldn't have gone to sleep with, with the sensations that I was feeling. I never had chest pain, though, you know? I wasn't doubled over like you see on the TV. 
I didn't collapse, I wasn't faint. I did realize then that I actually couldn't speak. On my way in, I was people, hello, you're, you're early, Shirley. God. And I actually didn't have the breath to speak to them. So anyway, I met Fiona in the ECG department. She said, I'll meet you in A&E. I said, no, I'm not going to be the cardiology nurse who goes to A&E with wind. <laughs> I'd never live it down. So, that's exactly, that's truly, that's what I said to her. I had to diagnose myself. So we went to the ECG department. There was nobody there. Slapped on all the dots. And as the paper spewed out, we both could see that I was having an ST elevation MI which is damage to the base of my heart. I could see exactly which part of my heart was being damaged. And time is muscle. So within 15 minutes of having a blockage to your arteries, your heart muscle cells are dying. So time was of the essence. She said, Shirley, at this stage I was cold, I was clammy, I was a bit shut down. And she said, we need to go to A&E. I said, no, I, I know. She said, I'll wheel you down. I said, no, you won't. You're not wheeling me through the whole hospital. I picked up my gym bag, I picked up my bags and marched down to A&E. But once I got down there, then I kind of crossed over and I stopped being the cardiac nurse and I became the cardiac patient. And everybody kicked in. ECGs were done, medications were given. Um, the consultant rang and I was talking to Fiona this evening and I said, I hope you don't mind me mentioning your name. And she said, no, you just remember that I rang the consultant and he thought I was joking. <laughs> Shirley, it can't be Shirley. So anyway... He <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me Shirley, oh, you're very good. You're way ahead of me there. Anyway, he said, Shirley, we have to treat you like everybody else. We have to take you to the cath lab. So I said, look, I need to ring my husband. That's another conversation and another story entirely. Anyway, off we went. My friend Carmel came to pick me up. And I remember then the rest of the, the kind of the next hour or two, like watching a movie, a movie of, of myself. Um, I looked to my right when I was lying on the table with the x-ray machine over me, my hand out as they did the angiogram, the two consultants, the nurses. I looked to the left through the control room window and I could see more people arriving, all my colleagues, the consultants, anybody who knew me and their faces of absolute shock as they watched my arteries unfold on the screen. So I had a 90%, well, almost 100% blockage of one of the, the right coronary arteries. And I learned later that I had a spontaneous coronary artery dissection, a bit like the aortic dissection, but within the heart. They put in a balloon, opened it up, and like that, all my symptoms were gone. So physically, I was fixed. Psychologically, it takes a little bit longer. But time is muscle. And what I want to say is that I'm inspired to tell my story today, even though it's very difficult for me as a cardiac nurse to share this information, as it goes to the heart of who I am as a professional for the last 30 years. Um, Barbara Streisand also inspired me to share my story. She said, women must take the responsibility of sharing your story and educating others. So one in four women will die of heart disease, and I hope now women will know that because I've shared my story. Thank you. That was Shirley Ingram there with both a terrifying and very surprising description of, of what it's like to have a heart attack. 
Because the shocking thing that we discovered on the night is that women can experience different symptoms to men if they're having a heart attack. So they can be really difficult to diagnose. And that idea is something that's going to be also explored by our next storyteller. Uh, Lizzie Honan is also an ambassador for the Irish Heart Foundation. And if you go over to the irishheart.ie website or even go over to goread.ie, you'll find more of these remarkable stories. So I'm just reading here from um, the irishheart.ie website. And this is from Lizzie Honan. And for Lizzie, she says... Women need to trust that they know their own bodies. You might not know what it is, but you will know if something is wrong. So this is Lizzie Honan. You have broken your poor mother's heart. Battle cry of Irish parents forever. But I suspect... And I really hope that I'm the only person in this room who can say it and mean it literally. So, a lot of women like to be pregnant. They think it gives them a glow, lovely hair, good skin, loads of energy. I am not that woman. I tried for 10 years to have a baby. And eventually, um, with IVF, they... I was given, I was implanted with two embryos. From five days after the babies were put in, I puked. Right up until 36 weeks during my cesarean section when I puked. Um, And I got all of those other lovely things that people don't tell you about a pregnancy. So I had really fat feet, like hugely fat feet. I was wearing my husband's size 10 shoes. Um, Didn't really matter because I couldn't walk anyway. I was on crutches from 20 weeks. Um, I got gestational diabetes, so I wasn't allowed to eat pasta or potatoes or food. (laughs) But that didn't really matter because the only thing I could eat was cherry tomatoes. So I was a bit worried actually that the babies were going to come out red, but they didn't, so it was fine. So anyway, I went through all this and went, this has to end, this, this has to end. And at 36 and 6, it did. Um, on my birthday, on my 39th birthday, I had a, a C-section and the babies were born. And it was amazing. Well, it wasn't totally amazing. They woke me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I went, you'll be going down in a minute. And it was 9 o'clock that night when I actually had the babies. And all I wanted was a cup of tea. Anyway, this is actually the preamble. <laughs> so... Five days later, I was let home. We were finally a family. It was amazing. Four of us. Oh, I had two twins, by the way. I had a boy and a girl, Teddy and Tilly, and my husband, Eamon, and we went, right, excellent. We do this now. Cool, okay. So we went to bed. Uh, We went to bed in the spare room in the house because it was the only room that I could organize the heat in, and like a lot of new mums, I was incredibly crazy. And I was certain I was either going to boil the child or freeze it. (laughs) So I had this little egg thing that would change colour depending on the heat. But I was totally loopy. But anyway, I got to sleep and it was fine. And then an hour later, I woke up. Completely unable to breathe. Sat bolt upright in the bed. Couldn't breathe. Heart racing. And I panicked. I didn't know what to do. So I did what most people would do in that situation, I hope. I rang my mum. 
I wanted my mum, but it was three in the morning, so my mum was asleep, so she didn't answer the phone. And so I went, okay, I know what I'll do now. I'll ring the hospital. So I rang the hospital, and they went, well, if you're worried, come back in. Okay, so I went in, but I had to leave my husband with my two tiny twins, five days old, in the bed. Went into the hospital, and I met one of the doctors that I'd seen all the way through my pregnancy and one of the nurses, and they went, look, Lizzie, you've had an awful pregnancy. You, you're, you're nervous, you're scared. Sit yourself down, have a cup of tea, you'll feel better. You know, you probably just need somebody to help you mind the babies. You need to take, take life calmly and look after yourself. I went, but it, it's worse if I'm trying to lie down. They went, no, no, you're grand, you're fine. Okay. So I went home. Got my mum, finally at six in the morning, she came, picked me up, brought me home, and don't worry, I'm here, I'm going to mind you, it's all going to be perfect. Great. Public health nurses in and out, weighing babies, measuring babies, checking me, slipping my husband notes about postnatal depression because I'm not getting any better. I'm going, I, I, I'm not depressed, I'm sick. I still can't breathe. If I'm walking up the stairs, I'm out of breath. I can't pick up the babies on my own. If I sleep at all, it's with six pillows behind me. I've got this pain here. I can't eat anything. So about a week and a half later, I go to the, my GP. And he went, oh, you have a chest infection. I went, I told you I was sick. <laughs> so I got um, antibiotics. Brilliant, perfect. A week later, antibiotics not working. Side note, I'm pumping every three hours because neither of the babies have worked out how to eat. This will become important in a minute. <laughs> so I went back to the doctor. And he went, OK, I'll give you more antibiotics. But probably should do a chest x-ray as well. I went, fine. Went in, got chest x-ray. They said, we'll give you the results in 10 days. I went, thank you very much. Goodbye. OK. <laughs> so there I am. Three full nights. Three full nights. I can't go to sleep. Because if I lie down, I can't breathe at all. And my mother turns to me at about five in the morning. I went, your father is driving you to that maternity hospital in the morning. And you are not leaving until they find out what's wrong with you. <gasps> okay. Daddy drives me in. I go back in. I meet the youngest doctor I have ever seen. <laughs> and he says, oh, God, you can't breathe. I went, no. He went, okay, I think you have a clot on your lung. So I'm going to send you up to Vincent's. And they're going to check you there. I went, okay. Off in an ambulance trying to ring my mother, going, need to bring breast pump, Vincent's, three hours. So I get in and they go, yeah, okay, we think you have um, a clot on your lung, but because you're breastfeeding, the, the, the safest test that we can do, we can't do today. We can only do it on Monday because the machine doesn't work after half past six on a Friday. <laughs> Fine. Um, so we're going to have to start giving you medication now and but we'll give you this little side room so you can keep pumping and you can dump overnight and it'll be fine. Fine. About 11 o'clock that night, the registrar comes in to admit me. And she said, you know what, you've been talking about pains in your chest. I might get the heart guys to have a look at you in the morning. Okay. Next morning, about half past eight, cardiologist opens the cubicle and goes, can I get an echo machine in here? right now. And that is how I found out that my babies literally did break my heart. I had peripartum cardiomyopathy, which is a type of heart failure caused by pregnancy. 
it's like one in 6,000 chance. Um, and now they're three and mental. <laughs> and I'm here, despite all odds. Admittedly, I sound like a smarty box every morning when I take my fistful of pills. I have my little ICD, my little defib sitting in my chest. And I got to keep my own heart in the end, which was looking a bit touch and go, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, if you know you're sick, just keep going. Eventually, they will get the right answer. Thank you very much. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. That was Lizzie Honan there with another story and there's some gorgeous photographs of her with her twins up on the goread.ie website so make sure to go visit it. Our last story of the night it also deals with heart disease but from the perspective of what happens when it's your partner and in this case your husband. So Joe Nestor is a writer who lives in Leitrim that's probably about, you know, three hours, two and a half hours maybe or so outside of Dublin. And the night that herself and her husband, Joe, decided to drive down, there were weather warnings in place telling people, listen, it's a lot of ice on the roads. There was a huge storm that we were just coming out of, but it was far from ideal. So the fact that the two Joes got in their car and came over will tell you just how much they wanted to share this story. This is Joe Nestor. Well, my heart story is not about my heart, but about my lovely husband's heart. Um, and it starts with his arse. Um, and it moves to his heart. And then he spits something out into my hand, or into his hand, sorry, in front of me. OK, I'll explain. First of all, my Joe... <clears throat> yeah, Joe, Joe. 
I'm Brian, and so is my wife. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, I'll refer to him as my Joe, so that will uh, not complicate things. My Joe lives with ulcerative colitis, which is a fancy word for bleeding from the arse. Um, it involves discomfort and occasionally pain. Um, but it, he's, he's manages it very well with medication, and he occasionally has a colonoscopy. Sorry, what's that? What's a colonoscopy? I'm really glad you asked that question. <laughs> it's when they send a camera crew up your... I mean, a, a, a catheter with a camera on the end of it, up the anal tract. And last year, with one of these colonoscopies, they discovered a benign polyp. And Dr Walsh, his consultant, said, that needs to go not because it's any danger, but because um, it's one less thing to contribute to the bleeding. And so that was fine. And he said, but given your age and all the rest of it, he said, the benign polyp will have to be removed under general anaesthetic and you'll need to have a stress test. And so a stress test is basically the treadmill test. Any of you have been on the gym and we heard Shirley earlier on talking about um, the going to the gym. So he did the stress test um, about three weeks before Christmas just gone. And there was a very uh, energetic young technician of about 24 years of, old, years of age. And he was from Kelly Beggs and he went to school with my nephew. And he was uh, a wild keen for my Joe to do his test. And he did three minutes of walking. That was fine, no problem. And he said, I'm going to crank it up now to run and speed. Now, that's all well and good. This lad's 24. He has no lived experience with patients. Joe had been suffering from non-descriptive pains across his chest and in his heart. And here he is on the treadmill doing the running bit. And suddenly the pains are in his heart. They're across his chest. They're going down his arm. They're going into the palm of his hand. He's telling this lad this. He says, they're going into the soles of my feet. Stop the machine. And the young fellow says, but I haven't finished the test. <laughs> and Joe says, I'm, I've never felt this bad. Stop the machine. So, I mean, he just took him seriously. Stop the machine and complained bitterly three times to the doctor that he didn't get his test finished. And Joe says, you nearly gave me a heart attack. I never had those kind of pains before. Anyway, the doctor then decided, right, we need to take this a step further. We need to do an angiogram. We've had some medical people up here tonight um, who have talked about angiograms. Uh, our Joe had his booked for three weeks. No, it was nearly a month ago now, isn't it? Three and a half months, yeah, nearly a month ago he had one booked for Sligo Hospital. So because after an angiogram, you're, you don't, you're not allowed to drive after an angiogram, they tell you it's a mundane procedure, he asked the doctor, what, what exactly is involved? He said, oh, it happens every day, it's a mundane procedure, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. And so Joe says, and what was it like for you when you had yours? And the doctor says, well, well I, I haven't had one, of course. <laughs> But, you know, trying to keep the, patient, keep the patient calm. So we went and we decamped to Joe's sister's house, who lives uh, not far from Sligo Hospital, because of the fact that we'd need to stay there for the night before so that Joe could go into the hospital for 8 o'clock in the morning for his angiogram. Stella drove him in. I don't drive. And um, all was fine until it wasn't. So an angiogram is where... Now, Joe had a radial angiogram, not through the groin, they insert 
a radioactive liquid that pumps around your blood system through your heart and it's monitored on an x-ray machine so that they can check and see how your heart is and what if there's anything going on in your heart that they need to look at. So uh, the first thing that happened was he had an adverse reaction to the radioactive dye pumped through into his heart. Um, he had blurred vision. He, the, the, the team said, if anything happens, tell us, won't you? And he said, I'm getting blurred vision. They said, what's it like? He says, it's like you're all in Predator. You're all shimmering. And, they, and when they leaned in closer to him, he said, now you've all got like six eyes across the bar. Of you. Anyway, he wasn't hallucinating. It was actually a reaction to the dye. So to mitigate this, he got hydrocortisone injected into his stomach. Then uh, the next fail was that they discovered through this angiogram that the left, uh, the left aorta, the left artery of his heart was blocked. So he was not leaving hospital until he had a stent operation. So he was in Sligo Hospital, he was their patient, but they don't have facilities in Sligo Hospital to do a stent operation. So he had to be taken the following day from his hospital bed at 7 o'clock in the morning by ambulance to Galway to have his uh, stent put in. Mundane procedure. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. I was at home in Stella's house freaking out. 18 months ago, a relative of mine had a mundane stent operation in the Matter Hospital. They punctured the artery in his heart. He had two blood transfusions and he died by bleeding out into his main organs over an hour and a half. So there was form. Uh, it was seven o'clock that evening when I finally got in to see Joe in Sligo Hospital. I went in with Stella. And to see him looking well and knowing there was a stent inside his heart that was keeping him alive made me just, made me just, made, you know, it was everything for me, everything to me, because I love this man to pieces. I asked him, you know, about his day, what happened. Tell me what a stent is. I really wanted to know. Okay, a stent is about, about that big. About, it's sort of like the coil of a biro. Do you know the inside of that? It's made of a stainless steel mesh, the thickness of your hair, and it's impregnated with chemicals that slow release to prevent plaque. Who knew? It's amazing. Medical science is amazing. One of these tucked inside Joe's heart, keeping him alive. How amazing is that? Then he told me that when they brought him back to the hospital, they're saying, now, Joe, we're going to bring you to level five to CCU. And he's going, no, 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 no. I told them no. I said, the doctor didn't tell me. What did the doctor tell you, Joe? Take me to the helipad. I'm going to the Royal and Spa Hotel in Lanzarote to recuperate. <laughs> So when I left the hospital that night after visiting hours, I just said to the, one of the women at the, at the counter, I said, you keep that giggling pin well-oiled and he'll be grand, do you know? <laughs> so I want you to fast forward now a week later. And he was having a bad day. He really wasn't well. He was a bad colour. He was breathless. Um, he was having a slump. I mean, it's a major procedure to have this whole thing going on in your heart. And he's had this uh, stent inserted in, his, in, in the artery of his heart. All of these things. Um, by evening, he'd begun to recover. And I was happy with the way he was. He has a better colour. He was breathing more easily. 
And he went upstairs to his workshop where he makes the most amazing models. He, and when I hear Joe up in, when I know he's up in, the, in his workshop, my heart sings because I know that he's happy. And he's making his models. He's got little railways and little, I won't go into all those things, but he makes amazing models. So I could relax. I was lying back on the couch. I was reading my book. Suddenly I hear... Boom, 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 down the stairs, these paroxysms of coughing, like he's coughing up a lung. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm nearly having heart failure. I said, Joe. And he comes in, and he's coughing, and he goes, Jesus, I think I just coughed up my stent. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Brain does not compute. And he's holding this up, and I'm like, I know it's not a stent, but Jesus Christ, what has he done? And it was this spring from a biro that he'd sat on and he thought this would make me laugh. <laughs> so, when I said it started with his ass, it went to his heart, and then he coughed this up into the palm of his hand in front of me, I hope you get where I'm coming from. <laughs> there he is, the love of my life, his heart pumping away, thanks be to goodness to modern science. People, look after your hearts, look after one another, and know that life is fragile. Thank you. That was Joe Nestor there, and Joe was the winner of our Story Slam for this month. Joe will go on to take part in our Grand Slam competition at the end of this year. And we cannot wait to see what other stories that she has in store. You'll have heard her before. She has another story up on our Christmas episode called The Gift. And so she a, has a beautiful way with words, but also a beautiful way with expression. So we can't wait to hear more stories from Joe. Also, the two Joes made it home safe and sound. So... Once again, thanks a million for making it all the way from Leitrim to be with us on the night. If you have been affected by any of the stories that you've heard on this episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast, head over to irishheart.ie, which is the website for the Irish Heart Foundation, or find out more information about their campaign, which launches today, February 14th. It's called Go Red for Women. You can find out more on goread.ie and most importantly, you can also make a donation while you're there. Okay, that is it. We have another Story Slam. We are teaming up with the Irish Heart Foundation again this week on February 18th. Um, Tickets, unfortunately, are all sold out. We might have a handful on the door. Um, There has already been a ton of people submitting in stories. But if you have heard a story and you particularly want to share it, We always love to hear from storytellers. So just get in contact. Send us the first line of your own story. The theme, again, is heart. So just email it to story at the Dublin Story Slam dot com. You could be in with a chance of sharing your own story on stage that night. One last thing. Our next Grand Slam. We are delighted to be teaming up with the St. Patrick's Day Festival to bring you our very first Spring Grand Slam in our biggest room to date. It is the round room in the Mansion House, which is an incredibly historical building as well as being a beautiful spot. I was in there two weeks ago just doing a run-through of everything and 
I am incredibly excited. All of our storytellers who have been Story Slam winners from the last year or so, they are all preparing brand new stories, brand new theme, and the theme is precious. So you can head over to the DublinStorySlam.com website and you can buy your tickets and you can find out more information about the very first Dublin Story Spring Grand Slam 2020. Okay, thanks a million for listening. We will talk to you on our next episode of our podcast, which will probably be in the next two weeks or so. We've got a, a ton of great stories that we're, we're getting through. So thanks a million for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. The Dublin Story Slam podcast is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. As is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You'll find loads of great shows at thewarren.ie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.